I'm Mariangela Abeo, and this is the Face to Faces podcast, a conversation series that provides a platform focusing on the LGBTQ and POC communities and their allies in the areas of activism, politics, mental health, arts and entertainment, and community, where we discuss the human experience in our ever-changing world. The goal of this space is to remind you that while you may have moments where you feel isolated or alone, there is always an incredible community of people here that is safe. We all connect to people at our deepest pains and our greatest joys. And in this space, we're here for those moments and everything in between. I'm so glad you're here. Take a seat next to me. It's always open. Now, let's lean in. Today, I am so honored to welcome TEDx speaker, entrepreneur, published author, podcast host, and certified life and executive coach, and my friend, Lolita E. Walker. Lolita started Walker & Walker Enterprises that works diligently to provide guidance, education, and motivational content to clients across the U.S. in the form of presentations, retreats, corporate training, one-on-one coaching, radio and podcast content, But Lolita and I first met in Youngstown, Ohio, of all places, which faded our friendship as part of the same TEDx speaker group. However, when we were all introduced via email months before, Lolita was the only one to look me up, personally reach out, and I knew the universe had crossed our paths for a reason. And I'm so glad to call her a friend. Welcome. Oh, hey. (laughs) Glad that you're having me on. That was awesome, friends. Glad to be here. I'm really excited for the listeners to meet you. I think that you do such amazing work, and I think we both are in this motivational kind of um, life bettering area. And so when we met, it was like fireworks, of course. Absolutely. It really was, though. Honestly, it was. We just bonded when we met. I feel like we bonded exactly like you said when I reached out. I just felt like after then, it was kind of like, okay, where's Mary Angela? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm always the one to do that in groups. I'm usually the one to reach out to people to say, oh, I saw your social media. Oh, you're amazing. So somebody doing it to me is very odd. And I love it because it's an effort that I'm usually the one that has to give to people. And so it was nice to feel that from somebody else. To receive. I love it. And sometimes yeah. we're people with receiving. It's just not you. But Yay. Yay. Well, how I usually start these episodes is I want to do an emotional check-in at the moment. So how are you doing today now? You know, we're in a weird world, so. Yes. So right now, what I will tell you is that I am green. I am green if I was a traffic light right now. I really am. And when I say green, um, I'm not measuring the world because that would be a high red. I will let you know and I could talk about that forever. But what I will say that me in this moment, I am green. Listen, today I just got off an IG live with podcasters. I've had amazing, I've had an amazing day. I recorded a podcast, you know, it's just going great. And I love it. Good. That makes me happy. That's all we can do is kind of celebrate and or handle each moment right now. I feel like because the world is throwing so many things at everyone, whether it's work, whether it's the politics uh, racial unrest, everything. Like it's just a lot to try to swallow in anything but bite-sized pieces. Yes. And I think to that point, I find my podcast as a refuge, you know, my podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Hashtag bam. My podcast is called coaching cocktails and conversation. And it is sitting in my wheelhouse. It is literally me doing what I love, which is meeting you where you are and coaching you up. And it has motivation and inspiration and it's telling you how to move to the next level. So honestly, when I'm doing that stuff, I'm getting filled the same way I'm feeling other people. And that to me feels great, which is why today I probably feel awesome because it was a podcast day. I love that. I love that. So right now, I know everybody is adopting specific self-care routines just to help them get through what's happening. What is, you know, besides your podcast, which I think that's my safe space too. So I get it. 
are you doing, have you adopted anything that you normally don't do, whether it's meditation, watching a certain movie, listening to a music, going for a walk, anything that you didn't normally do for your self-care right now? Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to start with, you know, people always answer the questions backwards. So I'm going to start with what I, what I was already doing and now adding to it. So one of the things I am very big on is leveraging the power of your voice, because I believe your voice has power and there is power in your voice. So what that means is that I'm big on affirmations. I am big on waking up in the morning and being very intentional about saying an affirmation that's going to guide you in your day. So I pull one of my 40 deck affirmation cards and I read it aloud each day. And then I'm very clear. Um, I also now have adopted just going out into the backyard and walking around, right? We were so busy before COVID, right? And so busy before we had to force ourselves to sit down that we forgot what walking around and taking time actually looked and felt like. And it feels so good, right? So I have adopted I doing that's really important and so good. I um, It's funny when you talked about the motivational cards. I don't know. I think everybody needs to incorporate motivation for themselves in some way or self, some self-talk. Um, and I'm not really good at it. And then I had a friend recommend to me that I name one of my plants after myself, which I did because I talked to my plants. And I encourage them. And so I named a plant after myself. And it's so funny, the process now of saying, look at this leaf, you're working so hard. Look at how beautiful you look. Em. Like, it's, it's lovely, actually. That is such a great idea. I love that. I never thought of it. I was like, oh, why don't I name plants after so many people? Yeah. But not myself, ever. Oh, your plants were already people. Okay. Good. I mean, not people, but name. Like they all have, they all have names. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Some are drag queens. Some are R and B stars from the eighties. You know, all over. Yes, that's great. That's who you want to be surrounded with. I love that your friend said name one you because that has so much symbolism. And I love about the self talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good stuff. I love that. So. You know, I, I think it's really easy for all of us to find the silver linings here with what's going on. But this podcast is about the human experience. And so what people listening like to do is not that they want to hear about struggles, but it's, it makes them feel less alone to know they're not the only ones having a hard time right now. So what, what's been the hardest part of quarantine, of the political unrest happening right now. I mean, we, we're going to go into that a little bit more later as far as being a black mother of a son. That is something that I want to talk to talk about. But I, I, I mean, just right now in the quarantine space, what has been the hardest part for you? Um, I would say that it is being forced to sit in your pause, which I'm good at, but sitting in your pause for an extended period of time that is not self-inflicted at the same time of constantly seeing brutality over and over and violence against black um, males and women. I mean, it's just coming in, in the thing about this pause and all of this, ha this unrest happening during the quarantine is that guess what? You can't get away from it. Guess what? There's nothing else on TV to take away your time and your energy, right? It can't be drowned out because it's COVID and Black Lives Matter, right? And that's what you're getting. And so now on repeat, when you would have seen someone um, get beaten down by the police, that, that would have been like a two-second story. And the next thing you know, we have this as the top of- um, Or not at all. Exactly. So now what you have- which I love. And I must say, you know, you thank God for the here and the now. You thank God for the good and the bad. And I thank God for the good and the bad. And one thing I will say is thank God for COVID. As much as it's done, people are going to say people are, I know people are passing away. I've had people in my family who have had it. Thank God have not passed away, but I know people who have. And what I will tell you is that in this bad, what we are recognizing and what we are seeing is the world coming together. And we collectively are making change happen. And now we just need to get policy changes. We need to make sure that everybody is brought to justice, right? Everybody is brought to justice. 
when I look at Breonna Taylor's killer, not even being arrested and charged, all of them, I say, really? I mean, not only that, but Breonna Taylor's story yeah. and her, her case right. is even more like clear than the other. Like, yeah. it's, 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 it's clean cut. Clear. Like Absolutely. there's nothing questionable. There's no reason this, they should not be. Absolutely. They should not be arrested by now. So yeah, it's sitting in that you're right about the COVID thing. Cause I feel like it's so easy for us to get caught up in our everyday hustle. And so what was happening in the world, the injustices, especially white people were very able to just not see it because we were busy working, doing our, now we are forced to sit. And I think that's the reason why these protests are so effective and so consistent. And there's so many of them, nobody working, nobody is working. Like people have time to give this energy and space. And so I think it is, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but I think at the high macro level, it is the fact that we were forced to pause, right? There's power in a pause. And now we're seeing, right? That, but now our celebrity friends are sitting in the same pause as us. So it's like everybody is in the same boat around here in this COVID nation, right? And so now they can leverage their platforms because we're not so busy anymore because they're not on tour. Everybody is jumping in So the, hey, wait a minute, world, do you see what's going on? Because I see it. And when you can use your platform for good and to make effective change, then guess what? We are moving. We're moving and we're making change happen. Yeah. I mean, even watching, you know, changes happen in in states that you would have never thought they would happen and watching, you know, Confederate monuments coming down, like things like that, that are just. Um, I would have never thought. I would have never thought that. What state was it? Was it Mississippi? One of the states that had the Confederate flag as part of their flag, and took it out. Like it's all happening. What state are you in again? You're in Virginia. I'm in Maryland. I'm in Maryland. Maryland. Yeah. So, how are things there? What's happening there? I live in the um, suburbs of Maryland. So I live in Akakeek, Maryland. And so where I am, like in general right here, you're not seeing protests because I'm living in the suburbs. But, you know, D.C. is only probably 15 minutes from where I live. Um, Baltimore is only an hour from where I live. Um, And I've resided in both of those locations. What I will say is it's very similar to how it is all over the world. But where I am is predominantly black. And so the support that you see, the discussions that you see, the um, gatherings that you see is really all around. Listen, we need to support black businesses right now more than ever. We need to make sure that we are getting the word out. You know, you're seeing more communication coming on. You're seeing more intentionality happening. And so I don't know that that's happening everywhere. I tell you that in a DMV, it's absolutely happening. I love that. I love that. And good. I think it is happening in in most large cities. It's just the small redneck towns that uh, we need to, we need to topple over, take them over something. Um, So I want to, I want to shift into what the pandemic has, how it's affected your work. Because I know for me, as someone who directly was you know, doing speaking events, I went from having four, I remember I talked to you on FaceTime, it was like, I have four of these amazing events finally in April. And then wah, wah, yeah. off they all go. Hashtag crazy out here in these uh, face-to-face, I'm telling you. So for entrepreneurship, especially for me, because I was like you, speaking, I was doing coaching, I was going into organizations and talking to them in their teams, leveling them up, getting clarity, all of this great stuff. And so like you, er, crash, right? But I think that what I've done, I haven't rebounded all the way, but what I had to do was pause and think differently, right? You have to shift your business a little bit. So what I do every other Wednesday, I have a Zoom call. I call it a Zoom cast. Um, coaching cocktails and conversations where I gather women who are ready to just sit and pause and talk and get support. And it really started because of the need, right? It really started because women were writing to me and saying, 
oh my gosh, I'm going crazy. My kids are at home and I'm becoming a teacher and I got to do this stuff. Like what the hell's happening here? And it started as a safe place to just chill. And now it's still that, but now I'm able to bring in some of the topics from the podcast and really talk about that and talk about the coaching for it. So I've shifted in the space we're now doing virtual with organizations, right? Seeing how that can happen. Still looking at speaking engagements, but now leveraging my voice, right? When I'm so big on this right here, and I'm sure you are too. When you ask either one of us, so what were you doing during the COVID? What do you have to show during during COVID? Right? This coronation, I got a couple of things to show, right? Started our podcast during coronation, right? You can have a list of things. My book like, is so much stuff. Good. I, I feel like right now it's while it's shifted all of our work, it's made it, it it's made us think outside of the box. I hate and I will say this to anyone who asks me. I hated podcasts before this. <laughs> I am not a fan. I can't listen to anything longer than 20, 30 minutes. But uh, now I get it. I didn't get them before. And I was like, man, I don't know if I want to do this. And then I started it and I was like, oh, this is a whole different world now for me. And um, even the dance world, they're having to do things virtually. But a lot of people are realizing as they move virtual, they're including a whole section of people that suffered emotionally because they couldn't be in large groups of people because of mental illness, people that are differently abled. So, you know, it's including a whole group of people that we didn't really think about before Yeah, when we went to events physically. So I think this is going to change the world a little bit personally. Podcasting has skyrocketed, right? And it's because you're in a space where now you can leverage your voice, right? Now you can leverage your voice and still meet your audience. And I'll tell you too, I wasn't a big, let me listen to a podcast. You know what? Because I was busy. I was like, I mean time for a podcast. But now I have learned so much. Let me tell you, my list of podcasts, my shows is so long and they're so interesting and I just get fed. It's so good. Have you found some really good ones? Yeah, I have. And it's great because most of mine are very conversational too, because I found, you know, I love Brene Brown's new one. Brene started hers the same week as me. So I was like, no pressure, whatever. Um, but it's great because it's very conversational. And so, yeah. And then there's a few fantasy ones like uh, murder mystery ones that I like. And so, yeah, I, it's a new world. I'm definitely still warming up to it. You know, I'm not, I'm not where I'm not a fanatic like a lot of people, um, but I don't think I'm a fanatic for anything except for maybe plants, but <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm going into my podcast. That's why I'm looking down. I'm like, let me look at my little shows right here. I'm, I mean, so many. They're so good. Yeah. So I, I like I like that I can have listen to serious ones and ones that are fun too. And and sometimes I need to be in a mood to listen to a certain type. So I love. Well, I want to shift to our TEDx journey. I you know once people learn that I've done a TEDx, I don't know about you, but I get a lot of oh, I've always wanted to do one. Can you talk to me about it? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I realize now it's almost been a year. Can you believe that? Like, but I realize now looking back and, and talking to other people that have done TEDx's, talking to people who want to do them, we were very fortunate. They Our situation was very special. Hmm. Let me tell you, Youngstown, super special shout out. I did that on one of my podcasts too, to the Youngstown crew. We, they just did it the right way. Okay. I hear stories now about folks' TEDx journeys and to be a TEDx speaker is hashtag amazing anyway. But what I'll say is they went over and beyond and I'm so grateful that that was my first TEDx experience, right? It was so good. They, I mean, from the beginning to the end, we were so taken care of. Yeah. And the thing is that you expect that now, right? You expect like, okay. Right. <laughs> I had somebody, I, so, you know, I was supposed to do a TEDx in April. I was prepared. My second one, it was written, it was ready. And then it was postponed till April, 2021. So, but their process when I was like, okay, do you have a writing team? Do you have somebody that you want to have go over my edit? And they were like, no, I mean, you can send it to us if you want. And I was like, oh, you're just going to let me get up on that stage. 
and say whatever the fuck I want and you're not even going to look at it? Okay. And they, and they were like, well, you've done one before. You know what you're doing. But they had no coaching team, no nothing. And I was like, wow. So we were so lucky because not only, I mean, I feel like, and I tell people this, before I started, I was not a writer and now I am. Absolutely. I, I just, I mean, real quick, and they're not paying us or anything, but let's talk about the journey since we're talking about it. Is that really appreciate about the TEDx team was as soon as we were selected, they reached out, right? As soon as we were selected, they reached out. They had us on a group email right away. Um, then they, what else did they do? Oh, we had a coach, an amazing coach who took us through and was real strict. Like, here's your schedule. This is when it needs to be done. This is when you need to show up. You need to have this draft ready. Mm, don't really like that part right there. What about thinking about this? Where are you trying to go with that? It was just all of this pushing and coaching to make sure that your story or your voice was really being heard. And that's what I love is that it was all about storytelling and getting your story out in your own words. Like they didn't change it, but it was your own words. Like, come on, get, I want you to get vulnerable. And that's what I loved. That's what I loved. Yeah, there was nothing, uh, and, and every criticism or correction that they made, they explained because it was, and it was so great because she would be like, um, Kimberly, shout out to Kimberly, our, our coach, you know, she she would look at my, or she would read it and she'd go, okay, let me tell you why I want you to make these changes. Like the tense, like you want people yeah. to think that you're, it's happening now. So this is, this needs to be coming in your brain, not you reciting what happened. Yeah. And so, and she said, and this is why, because they need to feel part of this conversation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the TEDx and everybody said that when they watch them, they were like, some TEDx's are better than others. And I always tell them if they have a budget to pay and have mm -hmm. coaching, absolutely, those coaches teach you a formula. Yeah. And that formula now is what I use to write my second one. And granted, it was a lot harder the second time, but <laughs> I, didn't have, yeah, I didn't have any help. But it was it was lovely to kind of go back to that and go, oh, my gosh, we got taught so much. And then to add to all of that, you know, when we got there, we had cars picking us up. We had all of our dinners and all of our meals paid for, an amazing green room, hotel, like our flights paid for. Like that is all not common. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it was amazing. And Kimberly calls herself the strategic samurai. Yes. Correctly. Yes. yes. The strategic yeah. Samurai. And I think the beauty with that is that she is so, you got to make sure you tag her on this because we are giving her some amazing endorsements. Yep. <laughs> but um she really is so strategic and what she does is help with the ted formula like that's what she does and so i think it was just amazing and you know what everybody was nice and wanted you to succeed you know they wanted you to be great so that they can be great like and they told you like look we are putting youngstown back on the map and so we're coming strong and you gotta come strong and i'm like okay I'm here. <laughs> it was so, I've never had a group of people believe in me that way before. You know what I mean? It was very like, this is real. And it still feels very surreal. Mm -hmm. It does. But I feel like we were all different people by the end of that six months. We should arrange now. We, we need to arrange a Zoom call. I'm, I'm going to send a note. So we can have Ooh, that would be fun to see yeah, everybody. Again. Yeah. Just to see what everybody's doing. That would be so much fun. Cause you know, well, especially now, right. I know, especially now. Yeah. 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 Me, you and Manov, we keep in touch, um, quite often. And so it would be good to see what everybody's doing. Yeah. And I'd, I'd be happy. I'd be interested to see if anybody else is going to do any other talks or what's, what is the future of Ted? Like, we're not going to be able to gather on a large scale. Is Ted going to go virtual? Yeah, I think so. I don't know that, sir, but I know some people who are um, organizers. And it would be smart because they're missing out a lot of TEDx events right now this whole summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ted, from your living room, they might give a Right. That would be so strange. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. Part of the... Uh, Part of the process was that live experience, though. Like, 
I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. But it was it was awesome to go through it with you and and see your journey and my journey. And we were the only two people to get standing ovations. Casual, casual, but not casual because that does not happen very often. I was told after the fact. Oh, I didn't know. I stayed and I was like, thank you. Because I made the mistake of going, bye-bye, see you later. You were early, though. You were early, though. But you, yeah, you were, I think you were relatively early, right? Yeah, I was like third or something. Yeah, see, I was later on. So by then I knew, don't leave right away. If they like I know, they all got mad at me. I got off stage and they were like, what are you doing? So it was so know. good. It was so good. And you hit the emotions of, you know, the crowd. It was just great. Kimberly did a great job. And then I think the stories of everybody were so different. Yeah. So rich and the and everybody's approach was even different. It was good. I feel like we all hold, and I've watched you too. I feel like we all hold ourselves differently. Yeah, I agree. I love that. Okay. Well, I want to shift back to current events because that's where I want to end this conversation before my lightning round questions. Okay. okay. Um, you know, you and I have had discussions over the last few months about protests, about me being a white ally. I even uh, was second guessing coming on your podcast at a time when we're trying to elevate black voices, but um, your, your podcast. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> But, um, you know, you are, I, I have a friend who talks to me regularly about being a mother to a black son. And she has cried to me on the phone several times about her fear, about the fact that other parents just don't get it. White parents just don't understand. And um, what's happening right now as a mother has to be so hard for you. And I would... I want to know what you want other parents to know, non-black parents to know. And what can, how can we do a better job when we discuss what's happening with our black friends who are parents, with mothers, with young children? Like, how can we do a better job? Because I don't think the majority of parents around their white parents get it. Okay. Um, absolutely. I'm happy to talk about this. Um a black mother to a black son. I did it I, so much so, I felt so deeply about this that I have a whole episode called Dear Black Boy on my podcast. I actually started listening to it and I started crying and I had to turn it off. Yes, I was so emotional throughout the whole thing because in that moment, enough is enough. And when I look at my black son it's like, let me talk to you about some of the things that I tell my son, really, and my brother and any black man in America is when you get stopped by the police, I want you to put your hands on a steering wheel. I want you to not reach for your ID. I want you to not reach for anything. I want you to say, I want you to ask permission before you do anything. I want them to know exactly what it is. When you go outside, I want you to... Um, not put your hoodie on, especially if it's getting dark. I want you to make sure you're walking with a group of people. And I want to make sure that you're standing upright when you're in the office. I want to make sure you're not leaning forward. I mean, imagine all of these rules that you're pouring into these young black men when they go out into the world. It is a burden that they have always had to carry. And right now people are becoming aware of that, which is great. But don't forget that it has always been here. It has always been here. And now more than ever, you are amplifying those voices more and more because you're seeing more and more TV because again, we are in that pause. And the crazy part is it's not only happening with our black men, it's happening with our black girls as well. It is like the black community, if you ask me, is under attack. And I say under attack, that has also always been here, but it's different now. And what makes it different? right? What makes it different is, again, we're sitting in our pause. What makes it different is that everybody can see it now, right? And if you don't try to take action now, then it's a problem, right? And when you don't get on board with making sure that equality really means for all, then now I'm looking at you strange because now it's outward. And now not only I see it, because I've always seen it, but now white folks see it. And so now it becomes a thing. 
So this is what I say is that come on board, white people, come on board. Because now that you can see it, what I'm going to say is maybe you didn't see it before because privilege is a real thing. How could you see it before when you didn't talk in depth to your black friends? It was like a high and a buy, or maybe it was at work. Like y'all were cool, but did you really know them? Right. Remember our discussion when you were on my podcast was about who's at your playground. And do you really know who's at your playground? Like for real? No, because if you really knew, then you would know that these were conversations. So where you start, I think that was one of your other questions is where you start is having the conversations at home at your dinner table, having the conversations with your friend, checking somebody when they say something that's racist or inappropriate, or, Hey, wait a minute. Let me, let me talk to you about that. Cause why'd you say that again? Right. Oh, would you just say, why'd you say that again? Like try to understand and then help them to understand what they're saying. Cause sometimes people might not understand what they're saying. And I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Let me tell you another thing since we're on it, is that what I have found that some of my white friends are doing is because they don't know, because they're just being made aware, according to them, because they're just opening up their eyes as they call, which I appreciate the fact that I am that friend, because I'll tell you like it is, is that they'll call and say, hey, what do you think about me saying this or doing this? And I appreciate the fact you're asking me because guess what? Don't do that. Don't do that. And let me tell you why. But I also can't be the barometer for where you need to be consciously. Because if you sat down and really thought about that, you would have already had your answer. You would have already had your answer. And that work is not your job. That's not your work to do. It's not. Now, let me tell you, for my allies, I want to help you get over the hump. I want to help you to help me because I appreciate the fact that it is going to take a collective and it is going to take some white voices to be at those white tables so that people could hear those white voices differently. And you gave a perfect example in my podcast, actually. You said um, about when you were at the protest. Mm, young girl. Yep. Who leveraged her white power and probably didn't even recognize what she was doing because it was so nonchalant. It was so every day But you and your voice might have even been the intercessor to allow that black man to get home safely that night. And so we need white people on the front lines in order to be at the tables that we don't have the opportunities to be at in order to say the things that we don't yet have the opportunity to say in 2020. It's friggin' ridiculous. It's fucking crazy, but it's so real. And I feel like um, I had a woman, a friend call me who I don't talk to very often, but she was like, hey, I'm reaching out to you because I know that I need to not be asking these questions to my black friends. And I was immediately, I put everything down. I was like, you're right. You should not be calling your black friends. So I'm happy to help you. And she said, you know, my mom doesn't understand what my mom's having a hard time um, with some of this and I'm trying, but she's a smart woman and I'm trying to educate her. What do I say? And I said, you need to appeal to her being a mother and talk to her about black mothers and find her someone that is in her circle that she can just watch their, their emotions, their lives. Don't talk to them about it. Don't, don't ask them questions. Don't ask for education or books to read, but just be conscious of how that person is having to live and the worries that they have. And, you know, I feel like your role um, in the, in the parenting community right now is so probably emotional and hard. And, you know, have you had to have a separate conversation with Walker, with your son, Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I force conversations, you know, the team. I love that. Same. Yeah, I force conversations. We're going to talk about it because the way I was raised is the same way I'll raise him is guess what? We're going to talk about it here because I want you to be grounded. We, we, we are open books over here. And so when I, when things are happening on the TV, we'll look at it and he doesn't want to watch it. He's like, Oh my God, that's so mean. Why are people doing that? Um, you know, George Floyd, he knows his name, you know, and we talk about it. Um, he talks about why is that police officer doing that? Because we're black, you know, so guess what? We're going to talk about it. 
and I answer his questions, but I also am a mother and I recognize that my son is eight years old. And so we talk about it, but he's not going to be on constant repeat because I believe that what you see and what you say is very important. You know, we kind of talked about that already, but I also want to balance that with the reality of him going out, him going out and what he could see and what is happening inside of our world. And as things shift, guess what? We'll talk about Guess what? That law got passed. And you remember during Corona case when that happened? We can talk about it because it's not in the history books. Yeah. And it, it, while it might be in the future, I, you know, Walker is our future. You know, that generation is our future that we're raising, that you're raising, that the whole, all these parents are raising this generation now that, you know, they're, they're, they're wartime kids now. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. But I tell you what I love is these millennials are out here doing. Woo! I mean, absolutely, they are. The shit that people talked about millennials in early 2019, and now, like, a our generate my generation raised them. B, like, they are fierce. Yep. Courage, the courage. Watching my daughter, watching Madison at these protests. So she is, well, first of all, she is her dad, like her temper, her anger, like uh, towards other white people. Like it's just, it's great watching her make people accountable, her own peers. Um, I'm excited for this, that generation. I think that they're really carrying this. They are. I mean, the activism that is coming out of this generation, the organizing, the holding people accountable, even our, um, you know, public figures, these these folks, these actors and actresses, they are coming and using their platform and saying, hey, like, this is what it is. This is what I stand for. You got people that's going into uh, colleges that saying, guess what? I'm going to an HBCU. Wasn't my, it wasn't even on my radar first, but guess what? I'm down for the culture because I see that we will fade if we don't step up right now. And I think that that's so important. I listen, hashtag bam. I give them claps. I give them snaps. I give them all of it. It's good. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah. You're, you're, you're a hands-on mom. I love that. Yes, absolutely. No, I can't wait to see what Walker does when he gets older. I know. Child. It's going to be a force. <laughs> all right. Well, I would love to get into these lightning round questions yeah, with you. Let's do it. Um, this is hearkening back to James Lipton years, um, the way he would interview celebrities and actors. I loved it in the actor studio. So I adopted one of his, which is, what is your favorite curse word? I say, shit. Oh, no, it might be. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck is probably, yeah. Fuck is the most popular. Yeah, it is. I probably do. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so right now, what is your go-to either music album that you're listening to, a book that you're reading, a movie that, like, when you're having a really hard day and you're like, I just need to turn something on and not think or just take myself out of my head, what is your go-to right now? Oh, okay, this is good. This is good. Um, my movie, I'm all about action. Honestly, it's Peppermint. Really? Peppermint, yes. If I could get some intentional good action that's got a purpose in the background i'm all over it so peppermint is my movie i've probably seen it about 19 times okay peppermint wait i've never seen this movie oh you gotta look at you like action yeah of you course peppermint um i'm running it down what else um and of course all black movies are on constant rotation lean on me you know, but, but Peppermint's my go-to. That's my go-to. I haven't seen Lean on Me for so long. What a yeah. great movie. Yeah, so good. So um, let me see my the, the book that I'm doing right now. I know you're going to laugh. Truly, honestly, it's my book, The Intersection of You and Change. It really is. It's my book that I'm reading again. I don't think that's wrong. I think that's great. Oh, no, it's not wrong. It's just funny. And you might, I mean, a, a listener might say, oh, she's advertising, but I'm really not. I'm really doing my book again. And you know why? It's because it's a workbook as well. And so it's a self-discovery, 17 stops of self-discovery. And so it starts at um, Journey Junction and goes to Gratitude Gateway. And it asks these penetrating questions. And right now in this coronation, I want to challenge myself a little bit. So I, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, what else did you ask Oh, about music? You know, I'm all about her right now. Right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yep, and Janelle Monet. I'm I'm all in. Yes, and Snow Allegra. If you yep. of her, yes, yeah, she's stunning. Yeah, yeah, and SZA. Yes, that whole group. That whole playlist. Yeah, but that's my that's my go to. Yep, Janelle. Monet. I love that. All right, so I want you to name. The next question is: I want you to name three influential people. They don't have to be celebrities, but they can be, or people that in your life that helped you become who you are today, but they cannot be white or straight heterosexual males. White, straight, heterosexual males. Oh, great. Uh, that's Which a- I'm sure that's not a problem. Yeah, that's not a problem for me. I just wanted to listen <laughs> to that. don't get any more attention in this world. Yeah. So guess what? The first one is my dad, hands down and around. Emmanuel, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, he passed June 14th, 2013, but he is a constant pillar in my life as in my Ted talk. Um, but he has been inspirational, influential. I mean, every decision I make, I'm thinking about Emmanuel A. Walker in my ear. Okay. So number one, um, three influential people. Um, so I should say God first, because somebody, that's a, that's a, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But I'm going to say God because you know what? I got a picture. I got a picture <laughs> of what I thought. <laughs> I'm going with that. Um, one. And we all know this is one white. So Absolutely. Okay. Mine, is, mine is black. <laughs> right. Absolutely. With dreads. So uh, let me see. Yes. And, and, and those are for obvious reasons, at least for me, is that everything I do is grounded in gratitude and grounded in faith and grounded in um, thank you for allowing me to be here one more day to do what it is that I'm doing. Help me to live better. And I think all of that is grounded on my principles right now um, in the Bible, which is what I believe in. Um, And then another person I've got to say, I mean, there's so many people out here, but it's got to be somebody like Oprah. Or uh, I love me some Oprah. I love some Oprah. You know, Oprah Winfrey is that is that woman that can just say beef and get sued by the industry. But she can also inspire you just by the way she says it. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying is that the power of her words is so deep and so raw. And the beauty of it is, is that she's a regular common every that came from a background that was as poor as dirt and was was turned was turned away. Right. Was told that she wasn't good enough. She was ugly. All of the things that we struggle with as everyday people happen to her. Abuse happened to her. Right. Everything you can say. But you and she like, yep, I did. But you didn't go through. "Mm, Yes, I did. And I kept on working until I got to this place. And that's what I love is that, you know, she's been through it. And so her words have power and they have meaning and she's still so influential. And I love it. And not only that, she's bringing up other black folks along the way. Hashtag bam. Say good for you. Yeah. You know, I, I, I saw her live at the, uh, whatever it's called, your choose your light or live your life. Yeah. I should have known. All I know is I was less than, you know, like 20 yards from her and she read a poem to us and it was like, you had a workbook at this thing and it it was live your best life. And she was very into tons of speakers. Her friends, Elizabeth Gilbert spoke like all these things. And this woman at the end read a poem that had me so to this day, to this very day, it is, self care for me. I say that poem out loud in my own presence at least once a week. Oh, okay. What was the title? It's called uh, love again. And it, um, she spoke it and she was, you know, it's just, it's in the way Oprah does things. Of course. Of course. It's, the <laughs> it's Oprah called love after love. You want me to read it? To you? I'm going to read it to you. It's not very long. Okay. It's called Love After Love with Derek Walcott. And when she said, I want you all to close your eyes, I'm going to read this yeah. to you. Woo! The tears started before I even heard. When she told me to shut my eyes, I was like, girl, 
Okay. The time will come when, with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who, have, who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, mm. who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit and feast on your life. Mm. Woo! I was like... I'm going to feast on my life. Like I was a mess. I was a mess. I was like, I'm going to do what you say. And if I ever meet her in my life, I'm going to be like that poem changed my life. (laughs) Yes. I love it. I I heard so much in there. Uh, Just the sheer notion of looking in the mirror at yourself and recognizing, Hey, I need to love you. I need to be nice with you. I need to celebrate you. I need to drink wine with you. And I'm sorry for how I've treated you all of these years. I love that. And, and to go back to the person that knows you better than anybody else, yourself. Yeah. Yes. We don't think about that. So yeah, that's very inspirational. And you, and I know you're not, you're going to pashaw this, but you fall into that category of people for me, that Oprah kind of category oh. of inspiration. Um, even when I see like on my phone a notification that like Lolita's commented on something, I will go faster than sometimes I'll see somebody's commented and I'll just be like, I'll look at that later. But if it's yours, I go immediately because it always makes me feel good. It always is much. You find a way to inspire people. And so that's why I was really excited to, to have you here. So thank you so much. You know, um, what's funny is that when I was young, I started writing poetry And because I didn't have an outlet, I just felt like I was so mad at my parents. So I started writing poetry about how I hated my parents. Right. It just like that. Then it was about everything. And it's funny because as my father always said, you will be a published author. And he wasn't here to see it. But as I got that book in my hand, I said, Daddy, wow, you were right. And I say that because people have told me like that my words have shifted them. And I think that That's why I love podcasting. That's why I'm so in love with what I do. That's why I think it's this outlet because I find such joy and passion and fulfillment in seeing someone leap to where I know that they're capable of leaping to. It's like I can see it and I want to pull it out of you and then I'm going to help you get there. Like that's the inspiration and the motivation. And I'm going to remind you of your greatness. So no, thank you so much for saying that. It means a lot. You did that in that heated moment the night before TEDx. You remember? I think so. I don't know. I got, I had somebody trying to get in my head. Yes, yes. yes, yes. I like, I remember going pale because something was very kind of personal about my body. Yes, yes. And it was, it was, it was somebody that was definitely not thinking. And, um, I went pale and you saw me from across the room and you were, you immediately made a beeline and you were like, let's get a drink, grabbed my arm. And you know, the first, after I told you what happened, the first words you said, you said, she just saw you kill your dress rehearsal and she couldn't even get through hers. She is intimidated and she's trying to get in your head. Absolutely. Be proud that you were intimidating enough that somebody needs to do this. Yep, absolutely. It's a hurt. And it, I was like, I was able to release that within like 10 minutes. Old me, like tornadoes around that shit for a year. Oh, so look at you. you. You are your magic. Okay, your last question. Okay, okay, I'm ready. If you could have lunch with your younger self, yes. what would you tell her? Around what age would you be? What would you tell her? And more importantly, what would you two eat together? <laughs> well, we would definitely be eating some crab legs and some shrimp. Let me just start there. Um, okay. See what we're having. Crab legs and shrimp and lobster. We're just having a seafood boil. That's what we're having. Um, I want all those things now. Yes. And we're going to have some white wine. 
I don't know if white or red, we can have both of it, but I, I right now I want some white wine. Um, and I would just tell her, relax. I would say relax and I want you to have fun. I'd say you're smarter than you think you are. You're bigger, you're brighter, you're bolder and all of that stuff that you have inside of you. Let me tell you, it is just ready to be unleashed and it will happen in time. I would tell her, don't force it. Don't force it because it will come. You, you are naturally supernatural, right? You are naturally supernatural. So I want you to have fun. I want you to travel. I want you to be your authentic self because what the world can't see right now is the storm that you're about to bring. So I want you to think about it because it's, it's, it's going to be right here. That's what I would tell her. And I'll be like, thanks to that. Let's cheers to the impacts that you are about to make right now inside of this world. And in the meantime, in between time, while you get there, there's going to be some highs and there's damn sure going to be some lows. But I want you to know through it all that the end result is magical. It's magical. And it's already destined for you. God's already put the plan in place. You're just on a journey. That's it. I love that. What a perfect way to end this episode. Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell people how to find you online? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Please come look for me. Come join me. I am at Lolita, L-O-L-I-T-A, walker.com. So lolitawalker.com. You can get to me from everything from there. On Instagram and on Facebook, I'm at, I'm at Walker, the letter N, Walker Change. So Walker and Walker Change. Um, where else is there? Twitter, podcast. You could join my family of twelve people. I need to get on Twitter for real. But come on over. Let's 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 move this thing up some. And that's um, Lolita Emanuel, E M A N U E L L E. Oh, and then your podcast. Where? Oh yeah. Okay. LinkedIn. I'm there too. Um, podcast. Yes. How did I miss that? Uh, coaching cocktails and conversations. And you can get that right off of my website. Listen, just go to the website, lolitawalker.com. Everything is there. My book is there. My podcast is there. My upcoming women's retreat is there. My Zoom every other week calls are there. Like you name it, I'm empowering you to the next step. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time and for your friendship and for your energy. It's It means the world to me. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode and all the episodes. We hope you'll join and support us online in the Faces of Fortitude movement on Instagram at Faces of Fortitude, on Facebook at Faces of Fortitude Portraits, and you can find me personally on Twitter at Mariangela Abeo. If you'd like more information about the Faces movement or have an idea for a topic or person you'd like to see on the podcast, please email us at booking at facesoffortitude.com. Until next time, take care of yourselves and those around you. And by that, I mean, wash your fucking hands, wear a damn mask, defund the police, basically continue fighting for the rights of Black lives everywhere, especially Black trans lives, and do your part to abolish all forms of systemic racism. I'll see you next time.